Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. After five long months, the scale of atrocity and horror in the Ukraine war is only just emerging. But today, we're going to hear a story of loyalty, resilience and survival against the odds. Before Russia invaded Ukraine, Sunday Times correspondent Louise Callahan found herself, for some reason, at a dolphin show in the country's second city. With Russian troops amassed on the border, she expected to find people braced for war. Instead, they were happily watching animals performing tricks. More surprisingly, the show has continued in a way to go on. In extraordinary circumstances, ordinary people can do so much more than they ever expected from themselves. What can we learn from the man who refused to leave his animals behind? I know that he can live without me. I, I don't know somebody who can change me. You're listening to Stories of Our Times from The Times and The Sunday Times. I'm Jenny Kleeman. Today, the dolphin trainer of Kharkiv. Hello. Hiya, how are you? Very well. Very, very keen to hear about the dolphins. Thank you so much for agreeing to do this. <laughs> I'm talking to Louise Callahan, a foreign correspondent at The Sunday Times. I'm in my bedroom because it is the only place in my flat that I don't, uh, I can't hear the street noises from. She's at her home in Istanbul. And where I can't hear the incredibly loud air conditioning unit that's on top of my roof. So, if everybody's happy, we can begin, yeah? Yeah, let's go. You've not really been home much over the past few months. Tell us where you've been. Yeah, so from... God, the end of January. I, I, I've been in Ukraine mostly. Usually I cover the Middle East and I'm based in Istanbul. But then when the war began, I kind of, or even before the war began, I sort of turned my gaze northwards across the Black Sea towards Ukraine. Let's start at the beginning, Louise. Where were you last January? So I'd gone to Kharkiv, which is Ukraine's second city, to write a story about how Local people there were feeling, with all the rumours that were swirling, of this impending Russian invasion. At the time, there was 
you know, all these kind of scary rumors going around. There's all these, you know, Western intelligence assessments saying, look, Russia's about to invade Ukraine. But in Ukraine itself, then the president, Zelensky, was going around saying that everyone was being a bit hysterical and that they should calm down and that everything was going to be fine. And in Kharkiv itself, what I found was people that just, I mean, barely anyone that I spoke to thought there was going to be a war. People were just not prepared at all. And, you know, Kharkiv's 20 miles from the Russian border. It's right up in the north of Ukraine. If a war started, which of course it, it, it did end up doing, then Kharkiv, a second city so close to the border, would of course be a really major target. But people were just completely unprepared for the prospect. And yet at that time, there were a significant number of Russian troops at that border, weren't there? Yeah, there were 100,000 troops all kind of gathered near the border. And in retrospect, yeah, of course they were about to invade. But but at the time, they'd kind of been building for a while. And, you know, it was kind of unclear whether it was just a, a move to kind of threaten Ukraine or whether something was actually going to happen. So you're sent to Kharkiv with 100,000 Russian troops on the border to report on the panic there. There doesn't seem to be very much panic. What did he decide to do? So I filed one story for the Sunday paper talking to all these people who were completely not expecting anything. And then I, I kind of had a spare day. So I thought, okay, well, let's try and get something a bit different. So I went to the Dolphinarium. Why did you go to a Dolphinarium? I've got this theory that most people care primarily about their family, themselves, their work, but people who are really, really interested in animals have something else which is very alien or even different to what most people think, which they care about so, so dramatically. And I don't know, I just, I'd never been to a dolphinarium before. And I was just, I had no idea what I was going to find. I was absolutely blown away. The dolphin show was really, really good. <laughs> so um, I, I sort of turned up and it's, the, the place is absolutely rammed. And there's all these families with kids buying candy floss and popcorn. And then you, you go up to the actual show and it's really, really professional. I had no idea that dolphins and sea lions and beluga whales could be trained to do any of this. I just had absolutely zero concept of it. There was a uh, a sea lion playing the saxophone and the dolphins, they were jumping in this really kind of synchronized way. It must have been about sort of 20, 30 feet from the surface of the water. And then there, there was this, uh, this trainer who was so amazing and he was sort of riding around on their backs and holding onto them as they, as they jumped. And I mean, the crowd was just going absolutely wild. So you saw a sea lion playing a saxophone, but that wasn't the end of your journalistic endeavours. What did you do after the show? So I asked to speak to the, the head coach at the Dolphinarium. His name's Vladislav. And he was this young guy, very kind of handsome, a real showman. And I went and talked to him. Um, so Vlad, can you please introduce yourself? Uh, my name is Vlad Litnevsky. I'm coach of Dolphins. Uh, Kharkiv, Dolphinarium. Okay, and how old are you? I'm 26 years old. He was telling me all about how he had devoted his life to, to these dolphins. 
We live here with them. We uh, work with them uh, it's morning to the evening, but uh, watch them uh, day at the night, uh, it's the uh, holidays. And, and what was Vlad like as a person? He's very calm and, and very serious. You know, this is not, his endeavor is not something he takes lightly. He's very devoted to, to the dolphins and to their well-being. But yeah, he's definitely a showman. I mean, he is sort of zooming around on so if you can imagine when the dolphins are going up and down the pool then Vlad at some point you know wearing his little speedos jumps in and starts standing on their backs and getting them to throw him up in the air I mean he's kind of a gymnast too I mean it was it was really impressive the whole thing and what did you talk about we talked about the way that he looked after the dolphins and and the way that he felt so devoted to them and we also talked about the prospect of war. So are, are you worried about like what's going to happen? You know, with this situation now, people are worried if that there will be an invasion or some kind of conflict. Well, uh, what are you going to do? Yes, of course, we cannot uh, take them and go away. We must be there, uh, worry about them, care. No one will leave them. So if the Russians come, you'll stay? We will stay uh, with them. Yes. I mean, at the time, it seemed to me as if Russia was about to try to invade Ukraine, and it didn't seem to Vlad that way at all. And when Vlad said that he wouldn't leave his dolphins behind, that he would always stay, did you believe him? I mean, kind of no. Um, I just assumed... It's one of those things, right? You know, I've, I've covered a few different wars before, and... And I know how incredibly scary they are. They're just absolutely terrifying. And I think if you haven't lived through one before, it's kind of impossible to to know what you're going to do. So I thought that he was this nice young guy and that, of course, he was talking big now that there weren't Russian missiles raining down on him. But when push came to shove, he'd want to leave with his family and take his wife to safety and, you know, try and try and look after the people around him and that the dolphins would probably take a back seat. You've seen this extraordinary display on the brink of war, the crowd going wild, absorbed in this dolphin show. And and you've met Vlad, the boss, who says he's not going to leave his dolphins behind, but he doesn't think he's going to need to anyway. And then war broke out. Good morning. Explosions have been reported near Kiev just minutes after Russia's president authorised a military operation in eastern Ukraine. After months of preparations, the Russian President Vladimir Putin has launched a major military operation against Ukraine. I was in Kyiv when the war started, so at 5am on February the 24th, and there were these loud explosions, and we all knew that it had begun. Let's go live to Kiev and speak to Louise Callahan, the Sunday Times correspondent who's there. Louise, good morning. Good morning. Hi there. Can you just uh, tell us what is happening where you are? I'm in Kyiv at the moment. I could hear loud explosions. Um, and they appeared to have been at the airport. When the war started, it was it was very difficult to move between cities. I was in Kyiv, but I had colleagues in Kharkiv, and of course we've all read about what happened there. It was horrifying. 
Fighting in Ukraine enters its seventh day. Russian troops have landed in this northeastern city of Kharkiv and attacked one of Ukraine's its military Ukraine's second hospitals. largest city, Kharkiv, the shocking sight of cluster bombs raining down on residential neighborhoods. Dozens of civilians are thought to have been killed, hundreds injured. So imagine this is the second biggest city in Ukraine. It's like a very vibrant student city. And it is just being smashed to pieces. Russia genuinely seems to have tried to to really, really destroy and to break that city so that they could move forward and try and invade it. And that didn't happen. They didn't take it with their ground troops, but they did absolutely destroy large parts of it. You've been deployed there to cover a war. You're now in full on war reporter mode. Were the dolphins always in the back of your mind? Yeah, I, th- I thought about them a couple of times just as a kind of, wow, I, I wonder what happened to Vlad or I wonder where he is now. I just assumed he'd left. Coming up, Louise heads back to Kharkiv and is surprised by what she finds. But first... I'm Oliver Wright, policy editor at The Times. My job is to try and explain what's going on in Westminster, what the government's doing, what the government's not doing and why it matters to all of us. But we can only do this thanks to subscribers of The Times and Sunday Times. Subscribe today by visiting thetimes.co.uk forward slash stories of our times. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash Upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM. We're going to find out what happened to Vlad and the Dolphins shortly, but before we do... There is an exciting history of dolphins in Ukraine. Tell us about that. Oh, yes. So during the Soviet Union, the authorities did their very best to train a bunch of military dolphins uh, for all sorts of purposes, including spying, demining, general skullduggery. And so 
there was under the Soviet Union a, quite a large number of, uh, of military dolphins and also beluga whales, the odd sea lion. And you say spying, demining. How could the dolphins actually do this? Were they kind of loaded with equipment or something? Yeah, to an extent. And then also you can seemingly quite easily train them to go and do a task and then return to you. And you can also mount stuff on them, cameras, things like that. After the fall of the Soviet Union, then a large part of the dolphin training program was abandoned. And then, of course, Ukrainian authorities took over the former Soviet dolphin training grounds, which the, the center of that was in was in Crimea. Now, what happened then to this dolphin special forces? What happened to those trained ex-military dolphins? Well, yeah. So after they couldn't protect the Soviet motherland anymore, then they moved into the entertainment sector. And a lot of them just became kind of performance dolphins. So they went from tracking the capitalist enemy to doing the conga down a pool in Kharkiv. Are there any military dolphins uh, in operation now? Well, you know, actually, the US has military dolphins. I found that in the course of research for this. They also have trained sea lions, and uh, Russia still has some training dolphins. So especially after they invaded Crimea, they had control of this kind of large base where the military dolphins were kept. And then so in, in 2014, when, when Russia invaded Crimea, then, then they got hold of this large amount of military dolphins. And, and Ukraine's been trying to get them to hand them back to them for a really long time now. What have the Ukrainian government been saying about them as they try to get them back? Well, there was a, a truly remarkable moment in 2018 where there was a Ukrainian government official who claimed that some of the dolphins, the Ukrainian dolphins in Crimea, had died a patriotic death after refusing to follow orders or take food from the Russians. Seriously? Yeah. So they they, they claimed that the dolphins had basically gone on hunger strike. And uh, they, I mean, that this this government official, who's very serious, he was saying that, you know, they, they, these dolphins, they took their oaths very seriously, perhaps more seriously than other Ukrainian soldiers, and that they died in the service of their country. Dolphins are clearly very important in the public psyche in Ukraine. I think it comes from that during the Soviet Union there was and during that era in the Cold War there was always this kind of arms race going on of, of how you know new ways that we can try and undermine the enemy new ways that we can try and like develop our weapons kind of smart dastardly way that you can try and get around the enemy Tell us about your return to Kharkiv So I came back to Kharkiv in July and so I hadn't actually been there since since my trip uh, at the end of January when I'd met Vlad. And, you know, when I'd been there in January, it was this really cool, buzzing city, lots of students, lots of you know, bars, great food, really fun. And then I came back in July and it was, it's just unspeakably grim. Even right in the centre of the city, there were these huge buildings that had just been turned to ruins. And you can see as you as you drive around the city, then like apartment buildings, government buildings, everything just completely smashed to pieces. And there's very few people on the street. Very few shops are open. Even just to go there is to is to really risk quite a lot. 
and there's still people who are who are living there trying to make ends meet. And amid all of that, you sought out the Dolphinarium again. Yeah, so I was uh, walking around in the middle of Kharkiv uh, in the park, and I remember that the Dolphinarium was right there. So, I mean, I just assumed that it had closed, obviously. I mean, who keeps a Dolphinarium open during a war? Like, the food shops are barely open. This, this place is, Kharkiv's kind of under lockdown. So I just thought I'd walk down and, and see what had happened, see if Vlad had left and see what had happened to the dolphins. I just kind of assumed that it would be boarded up, no one there, the dolphins gone, windows probably broken. So what did you actually find? Dolphinarium was open. The dolphins were still there. Vlad was still there. And when I arrived, he was leading a dolphin therapy session. We have therapy and we try to have some money for fish. What is dolphin therapy? Yeah, good question. So I did not know about dolphin therapy until that day. Um, So apparently it's very calming swimming with dolphins. Why do you think people like to come here and swim with dolphins during the war when, you know, I mean, it's not, it's not particularly safe here at the moment? <laughs> it's a great uh, a chance to have some uh, good uh, feelings, uh, relax uh, with them, to swim in the water. There were dolphins swimming around inside it. Water. <laughs> and there was also this incredibly glamorous woman in a bikini made largely of gold chains who was swimming around with them, having a great time. Dolphins. Really? Is it... <laughs> what she saying? She's, she's saying that it's kind of happiness. She can't compare it to sex, of course, but it's good as well. <laughs> she was just completely unmoved by the fact that she was living in a city which was under relentless bombardment. And uh, she was, uh, you know, full face of makeup, impeccably done hair, and in this amazing bikini, just holding on to the fin of the dolphin, floating elegantly around the pool. That just seems so strange to me that amid a war, life can go on, even this very particularly uh, specific kind of life that people can still be swimming with dolphins and, and flirting with all of this going on around them. Yeah, it's amazing. I mean, it, it really is incredible what people get used to and how quickly it happens, even if things might seem relatively normal at that moment in the Dolphinarium in Kharkiv. I mean, a missile could come at any second. It's not a million miles away to think that that could happen. But you just get used to, unfortunately, living with that level of risk. Was the Dolphinarium itself intact? Some of the windows have been blown out on the ground floor on on, on one side. The Dolphinarium itself, uh, yeah, it seemed to have survived intact. And were all the animals there? So some of them have been taken away. Um, Vlad had arranged for, I think, the majority of the dolphins and some of the sea lions to be taken away. But some of them, uh, like there's two beluga whales and a couple of dolphins as well. They were just, the beluga whales were too big and the dolphins, it was two parents and a calf because the calf was too young to be transported because they needed to feed all the time. So Vlad had arranged for the animals that could be evacuated to be taken away to to Odessa further in the south. And he had stayed with the animals that couldn't be moved. 
the ones that were still there, were they still working, still performing? They weren't performing, but they were having these dolphin therapy sessions and Vlad was still training them, both kind of as a way to keep them trained and entertained so they didn't get bored. But I think probably also, though he didn't say this, as a way to keep himself sane and to give himself something to do. Louise, you talk about how intelligent these animals are and how sensitive they are. The animals that did have to stay, do you think they knew that there was chaos going on around them? I mean, what what impact did the war have on them? Yeah, so Vlad told me that when the bombing was really bad or when the shelling was really loud, sometimes the dolphins would play dead. So they'd lie on the surface of the pool. Yeah, floating. Floating and they don't react on us. No reaction. We don't know how to help them, to what do with them. We're trying to touch them, relax, but they run from us. Just floating. And he seemed really, really upset when he was telling me about that. How did that feel for you? Scared. I don't know how it finished. They... Uh, stress, it's uh, bad for his health. I, I think the idea that the dolphins and the whales would have been stressed or worried because of the war was something that really concerned him. You know, that given how acute the their hearing is, of course, they'd have been able to feel kind of every vibration, every movement from the shelling, which was so constant. Why do you think Vlad stayed? He loves these creatures. I mean, really, really loves them. I know that they can live without me. I'm watching for water, watching for them, their health, their feeding. I I don't know somebody who can change me. I mean, whatever you think of performing dolphins, whether it's cruel or a bad idea, then that the, the, this bit is completely indisputable. But Vlad is really, really devoted to these animals. He absolutely just couldn't. It, it was just, I was talking to him and it was just like the, I said, well, why didn't you leave? And it was like the option hadn't even occurred to him. But sometimes no, because I don't see another plan. You returned to the dolphinarium. You saw this dolphin therapy and these very few animals that, that couldn't be moved. Are the dolphins going to stay there, do you think? Well, Vlad wants to evacuate them, not so that he can get away, but just so that they can be safe. But he's going to have to wait until the calf is old enough to be able to be moved. So I think that he's just going to stay with them until there's an opportunity for them to be moved. But that might not be for a long time. Tell us how Vlad is doing now. Vlad seems strangely fine. I mean, he just has a very calm demeanor, so it's very hard to tell whether he's actually incredibly stonily calm or whether this is just a demeanor that he puts on. Um, But he seems okay, and he just seems completely determined to stay there uh, with the animals, whatever happens. And if something were to happen to him and his staff, what would happen to the dolphins? Oh, they would die. They were, I mean, they require feeding and care and attention. The pool needs cleaning. I mean, if they weren't there, absolutely they would die. You 
you've spent a lot of time in Ukraine now over the past year. You've got to know many people over several months. How does Vlad compare with other Ukrainian people you've met in terms of his attitude and his resolve to stay? Is it a common kind of attitude? Surprisingly common, yeah. I mean, I think that the thing that has really gripped me and has gripped so many people about the Ukrainian response to this uh, to this war is that so many ordinary people who hadn't been involved in a conflict before just stepped up when the time came in extraordinary circumstances ordinary people can do so much more than they ever expected from themselves or than anyone ever expected from them when Vlad first turned up in that dolphin area and fell in love with the idea of training dolphins it's not like he signed up to risk his life for them or to live with them throughout a war to constantly put his life on the line for them but that's what's happened that's exactly what he's done Is this the the future that you'd imagined? Mm, we believe in that uh, finish uh, to the winter and uh, our animals back to us and mm. our friends will be back to work so together. listening to Stories of Our Times, a podcast brought to you thanks to subscribers of The Times and The Sunday Times with me, Jenny Kleeman, and my guest, Louise Callahan, foreign correspondent for The Sunday Times. You can find all of Louise's work at thetimes.co.uk or in print. The producer today was Poppy Karonka with production assistance from Will Rowe. The executive producer is Kate Ford and sound design was by David Crackles. If you liked what you just heard, please do leave us a review and a five-star rating. It helps others find the show. See you again soon.